sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. You're listening to the source of live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. But we just call it the winning edge. Keep it here. There's plenty to go around. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two here of the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Happy New Year to everybody here as we go into 2021, as we go into the NFL playoffs. I ask Kevin if it's like the Chiefs and everybody else, you know, and we're discussing the candidacies of these playoff teams. We did it in the NFC. In the AFC, we've talked about Baltimore, which is kind of rounding into form. We've talked about Tennessee, which has, you know, the back-to-back rushing leader and kind of the, the different hat that is different than most teams. You know, Kev, it's almost like in the NBA, right? If there's one team that plays a different style, like, say, the Rockets, or remember when there was, like, Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins together in New Orleans, and it was like, oh, that's a different style. They're going to create some questions, but then how does it go back on the other side, right? And I see Tennessee sort of as that kind of team. There was another team in that division that, you know, got a W, avenging a loss from week one, and it is the Indianapolis Colts. Colts. Talk to me about the Indianapolis Colts because, you know, Derrick Henry, by the way, Kev, did not have the biggest rushing performance of Week 17. That goes to a guy who in the middle of a season, you compared to Trent Richardson, but Jonathan Taylor has decided to pop off and put it in your eye 253 yards later. He is now, um, you know, kind of leading rookies in terms of rushing, and this offense underreported but is also sort of rounding into form you now have ty hilton you have pascal Pittman is back taylor rounding into form naheem hines a very valuable piece both in the run game and in the passing game we know about the offensive line despite having jacoby Brissett like taking snaps left and right philip rivers is still there and the colts get a victory 28 14 over the Jacksonville Jaguars, they will go to Buffalo in the wild card round. And I got to tell you, Kev, they're another team where it doesn't seem like they're sexy, but they are built in the right way to kind of be live in the playoffs. Talk to me about the Colts. Yeah, listen, uh, the Jonathan Taylor thing ha- has been very interesting to watch. Uh, you always love to mention that that he's put it in my eye, but at the end of the day, <laughs> I was far from on an island to the point where, for a while, I was correct. It wasn't a one-week flash in the pan. There was a three-week window. Yeah, a little Jordan Wilkins out there. Where No, he was obviously the third running back on the team, right? Like, you know, you you were also like, listen, I told everybody it was Naheem Hines in this backfield was the player to have. And at the end of the day, Jonathan Taylor was like, there's nobody to have but me. And that's good because that's good for this team. And I like Jonathan Taylor coming out of Wisconsin. Just calling it for what it was. And trust me, and like I, I wasn't the only one saying this, but this is obviously a big deal. I mean, this guy goes 30 carries, 253, and two touchdowns. You said it. Like, on a week where Derrick Henry takes all the headlines, rightfully so, right. Jonathan Taylor actually had a better day on the ground. Less carries, more yards, same touchdowns. That's ridiculous. This Indianapolis Colts performance, though, Dane, is one that's, I mean, it was 20 nothing, and then it was 20-14. to 14. 
That's a little like, I don't know what you want me to do here. There was a couple of times the Jaguars had the ball with an opportunity to win the game. Again, the Colts are going to, I feel like the Colts could be a sexy seven seed, but they're Mm. playing the red hot Buffalo Bills, a fascinating team. They really are. And uh, first of all, we welcome back in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe. Thank you to all the affiliates for joining us. You know, I just did a little bit of checking, and this is actually crazy because I wanted to go to another team and talk about it. Jonathan Taylor finished as RB6 in fantasy. Kev. <laughs> Naheem Hines? Naheem Hines yeah. finished as RB15. In fantasy. <laughs> so can you imagine? And I was going to say this because the next thing I want to talk about are the Cleveland Browns, right? And we talk about Chubb and Hunt, Chubb and Hunt, Chubb and Hunt, right? Well, Hunt finishes RB11, <laughs> you know, and, and Chubb finished right in that same area. Also, the Colts' two running backs may have been, at least, you know, if you look at it in some ways, just as statistically viable as this Browns one-two punch that they have in, in the backfield. So let's talk about the Browns as well. They get a win. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they go to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. Baker Mayfield <laughs> excited. The running back room excited. They get the job done pittsburgh made it close with their backups at the very end i didn't see any exchange of jerseys of miles garrett and mason rudolph at the end of this one but maybe they'll do that next week because the teams play each other again in the wild card round talking about the cleveland browns three years after going 0 and 16 they're in the dance i think this is this weird thing with week 17 because it's one week but it's the last week. How much do we want to get caught up in the quality of the performance? I mean, the Steelers were there to play spoiler, and they desperately, desperately wanted to do it. And Mason Rudolph was better than I think most would have expected. Throws for 300 yards, two touchdowns, only the one interception. Uh, Baker, far from anything to write home about in this game. Nick Chubb had a a nice day on the ground. Probably the most underrated running back in football, Nick Chubb, I think would qualify as that. But at the end of the day, if you're the Cleveland Browns, this was about the result. Who cares about the context? Who cares about the final score? It could have been 2 nothing. They finally get into the playoffs. And that is what this is about for the Browns. I'm excited to break this game down. And I also just yeah. want to quickly say, Naheem Hines' finishing position in running backs really just says that the entire position this fantasy season was Basuda. It was terrible. It was a complete <laughs> wasteland all season long. <laughs> Listen, I hear you. That's and we talked about this, right? That's why when we did timeshares, committees, all that, what did we say? The running back position was dead. You gotta get them. List literally Taylor and Hines six and fifteen, Chubb and Hunt ten and eleven. They both averaged the same exact level. That's wild. We talk about teams that did not make the playoffs when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Working hard 24 hours a day to give you your USRDA of the winning edge. Everything a growing boy needs. Sit up straight. Get it right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh breaking down. Now that week 17 is over, we have the playoff bracket. And, you know, in the AFC, like we mentioned, there were five teams at 10 and 5 going into game. One would be left out in the cold. And it was, in fact, the Miami Dolphins who could not get the job done. They go up to Buffalo to see the Bills, and they get Boat race, 56 to 26. Josh Allen, albeit in limited duty, still had enough time on the field to throw for 224 yards and three touchdowns and kind of solidify himself as one of the, you know, I guess he's not going to win the MVP award, but really deservingly in the conversation as a true candidate, right? If you consider, you know, if you consider finalists, right? They're about to give out the Heisman Trophy. We all think someone's going to win, but there's three or four finalists. And if they had to go to that level, Josh Allen would certainly be invited to New York for the ceremony. Let's put it that way, right? And they Mm -hmm. continue to get it going. They look like one of these really hot teams that are rolling. We've talked about this at the beginning of the show. That's part of why Josh Allen was out there. Um, but what about these Miami Dolphins? Because listen, to me, there's no Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in in relief, right? And one of the things that we have seen is that Tua, and this is not me talking, this is what the Dolphins show based on their actions, Kev. The Dolphins do not yet trust Tua in a game where he's going to kind of, you know, let it all rip and have to come back from a negative game script. He found himself in that position yesterday, and, you know, he threw three picks. The reality is Fitzpatrick would have finished this game, right? We like I would that think so. would have happened if he did not get hit I would with think so, COVID. Yes. He would have finished this game, which is significant. At twenty eight to six, game, maybe yeah. <laughs> this game was jarring though. I mean, it was three nothing going into the second quarter, Miami, and then ten minutes later it was twenty one three Buffalo. Punt returns have a funny way of ending games. I feel like Isaiah McKenzie, mm-hmm. his third total touchdown in the football game. Big game. The Buffalo Bills are red hot, and, and they are the story you know, for a lot of people going into the playoffs. But the Dolphins missing. And this is just going to be, Dane, a, a season where you talk about, and you said it all show, the expectations. 10-6, and mm-hmm. six, and the second spot in the AFC East is a year most Dolphins fans would have signed up for without issue. But right. when you watch how the year played out and the fact that they controlled their own destiny in an opportunity to get into the playoffs, that's probably a tough pill to swallow. And I know that I seemingly am the crazy one here on the show when I bring these things up, but they have the third overall pick. And they don't trust Tua to finish out games. And you don't just always have the third overall pick. And the Dolphins probably don't plan on drafting that high for a very, very long time. That pick obviously doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the Houston Texans. I don't know how the board is going to fall. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL draft here, I know, on today's show. Sure. All I know is, if the board fell a certain way, I do believe the Miami Dolphins will consider the quarterback position. You know, I mean, that is interesting. We have seen that precedent happen already, ironically, with a former member of the Dolphins and Josh Rosen, right? You cut bait a little bit quicker than in years past. I do personally disagree with you. We'll have plenty of time to discuss that. Let's spend this time, though, talking about the Buffalo Bills, who are rounding into form, who are in the tournament. You've mentioned that a lot of people are excited about Buffalo. We've talked about Josh Allen, reason to be excited. Stefan Diggs, who becomes the NFL leader in receptions and in receiving yards for the 2020 season. Talk to me about the candidacy in the AFC about the Buffalo Bills. 
My thing with this game is I, I feel like the sports book very much so would have loved to have the Bills become the first team of all time to be laying more points in the first half than the full game. Uh, obviously, it would have made no difference, though, as they won this contest by 30. I mean, Barkley came in. He was plenty all right. The defense making plays here. The Bills are as hot as anyone in the league. And... They're going to host the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think that is a pushover matchup for Buffalo. I don't think there's a pushover matchup in the AFC, though. I think the Bills are exciting. And here's the one thing I will say about Josh Allen. A lot of Bills fans taking a lot of victory laps on. Remember when people said this guy couldn't play quarterback? Guys, you all watched the Bills. Like, you Bills fans watched him. You know what it is. You watched the playoffs last year. When you had that big lead over the Texans, and then you didn't go to the next round. Like, we weren't making this up, but we are willing to change our opinion with new information. And this Josh Allen, who has a top three MVP finish on the way, is a new quarterback. Yes, both Dane and I are very likely to have some reservations going into that game against the Indianapolis Colts. And yes, you will hear it if he makes critical mistakes and they lose that game on his arm. But in the same way that we have given him credit on this show for this year's performance, we will give him credit as the postseason comes along. Because what has become evidently clear is the Buffalo Bills, with this version of Josh Allen, are a true Super Bowl contender. They absolutely are, right? The jury is still out just because we haven't seen him in the playoffs avoid the big mistake. However, this regular season version of Josh Allen that we saw, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, as a is a top five, top three potential MVP candidate and part of the reason that the Buffalo Bills have taken this step. You know, Kev? As a Jets fan, I was always saying, you could have asked me like four years ago, and I was saying that I just hope that whenever the Patriots dynasty comes to an end, whenever they actually are falling off, that the Jets are in position in that division to be the team that kind of takes the mantle. I thought with the draft of Sam Darnold and his potential ascent that the Jets would be the team, but no, another team in the division who drafted their franchise quarterback at the same time are instead the ones who are primed to kind of be the leaders of the pack in the AFC East potentially for years to come, and it is Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. We talk about the AFC East. There was another game in the AFC East. The Jets, who solidified their draft position. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Who solidified the fact that they'll have a new coach. And then, you know, we talked about the Patriots a lot in hmm. this uh, show a lot. And another time, Kev, when I think we were both right, right? Like, you were talking about the Patriots and kind of like who they were, how dangerous they still were i believe i said at most they'd get to six seven wins or whatever it was they did i said they should never be treated seriously on the playoff graphic until they hopped the second place team miami they never did that we talked a lot about cam and his future and what he was looking like and if he was um long for that job with new england or even a starting job in the nfl and while it was a sweat kev i guess he eventually taking all 17 games, but hopped over what once was thought as a easy, free season win to a season passing prop. It went from an easy bet to an impossibility all in the blink of an eye. 
I will say there was something absolutely special about this happening week 17. Dane, I didn't know who the quarterback was. They never announced anything, which made me think it was going to be Cam Newton because I'm like, if Jared Stidham is starting, I feel like there is an announcement. I mean, I just put it this way, Kev. I wasn't crazy with what I was telling you weeks in advance. It did gain steam. No, you were not crazy, but luckily you were wrong. And that did make it all this more sweet considering. And I know because you admitted that you were basically like, yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if this guy threw for under 2,500 yards. And all I was cheering for you. I was cheering for no, you. Though. I you wanted you to win. win. Yes, I you ultimately sent me wanted you to win the bet. I just knew against it was gonna, I knew it was going to yeah. be a little bit crazier yeah. and a little bit more of a sweat than you thought. I did think it was going to be a lot more of a sweat, but ultimately Listen, I was cheering for you. Yeah. One look, he, this is my can I this is the, the biggest thing. Listen, I, it was nice to get the prop home. I guess we should have middled it, you know, when the thing went up <laughs> yeah. 600 yards the next yeah. day. Here's yeah. all I know. These two quarterbacks enter this game with very different ideas around them. Sam Darnold is worth at least a second-round pick. Cam Newton doesn't belong in the league. That's nonsense. Sam Darnold's value was massively overstated by everybody around this league, and Cam Newton's lack thereof is massively overstated as well. Disappointment is a function of expectation. The Jets have a new coach and a draft position. We'll talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Work. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Big shout out to all of our affiliates who join the fun as we fundamentally put the fun in functional sports content every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern. If you watch the show, you know that I am a Jets fan. If you watch the show and I wasn't here last week, you know you didn't get a chance to hear my reaction to the Jets getting their second win of the season, um, which was kind of amazing. But they have announced, along with uh, four or five other teams, that they will have a new head coach next season after all the week 17 games we have arrived at what is affectionately i guess non-affectionately called black monday here in the nfl where a lot of coaches will learn their fate the falcons the lions and the texans already made coaching changes in season right we're even hearing that they were conducting interviews your boy eric Bieniemy slated to have an interview already i believe in atlanta today well we're adding to it okay kev because the jets announced after their week 17 game even though it was reported here in New York already that uh, the Jets and Adam Gaze will be parting ways. That makes four. Kev, we believe that in Jacksonville, right, Marone and the Jaguars are parting ways. That would make five. There's other buzz out there, right, um, whether it be in Los Angeles with the Chargers, whether it be uh, we're hearing word that Chicago, because they're in the playoffs now, we're going to give it another go with Nagy. There's some other teams that we've heard rumors about that we don't know if it's going to come true or not. But today is Black Monday, Kev. Talk to me about what you think news is going to come out or things like the Jets and the Jaguars, which we kind of feel are fait accompli in terms of, you know, terminating their head coach. 
Yeah, you know, there's a lot in there, Dana, and we can take this really any direction you want. I guess the one thing no I'd love to circle back to is the top of the show. We didn't really have a, enough time to just talk about the Peterson thing. Uh, last night, a lot of people mm -hmm. called for Doug Peterson's job. They said this is a disgrace. Of course, the Eagles will be firing him. Guys, I understand, especially if you're a Giants fan, that no, has not. to be one of the most frustrating things that you could imagine. If you think that Doug Peterson on the hot seat put Nate Sudfeld in with the game on the line, you didn't take a second to think. Right, like if he's he, coaching for his job, he doesn't do that. Yeah. So I just, I want it like, Doug Peterson is staying in Philly. And that was the rumor going into the game, and I think it is now confirmed by that decision to bring in Nate Sudfeld. And I think Doug Peterson keeping his job in Philly uh, is Certainly noteworthy because of the way the season ended, the fractured relationship with Carson Wentz. I think the other thing, of course, Dane, that, and I don't know it, it, how often this happens, but both the first and second overall pick, both of those jobs, one confirmed and one heavily rumored, mm. to have, you know, being available. That has yeah. to be, because both of those teams, because obviously you pick first and second overall in the first round. In the second round and yeah. the third round, both teams have another first round additional pick, by draft the way, capital. not yeah. just their own. And sure. both teams have a world of cap space. Yeah. Like, it is not inconceivable that one of those two teams yeah. is in the playoffs next year. You know, and that's interesting you mentioned that, Kev, because there is a long streak of teams that finish in last place and then make the playoffs the following year. You know, that does happen in the NFL. I want to talk about Jacksonville and the Jets in a hot second, but let's see if there's any other places that may be uh, looking to hire. We know about Atlanta. We know about Detroit. We know about Houston. We talked about the Jets and Adam Gaze. We talked about Jacksonville and Doug Marone. You don't believe Philly is making the move. Uh, we've heard reports that Matt Nagy is coming back with Chicago. I have two other places that I want to ask you you about one is in Dallas where there has been talk about McCarthy now Kellen Moore the offensive coordinator got an extension over the weekend but McCarthy we haven't heard and it's like Dak really likes Kellen Moore like that may be an entree to having Dak come on back and the other place Kev that I think we're going to learn about today is out of Los Angeles with the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Now, Anthony yeah. Lynn was on the hot seat last year, right? He survived. Justin Herbert's been a revelation. We know that they have talent. We know that they have pissed away some games. Do you think the Chargers make a move at head coach? I think they should. It is hard to have certainty, though, when a team ends the year on a four-game win streak. Obviously, the context of that all matters. You know, beating the Denver Broncos and the Raiders with a backup quarterback and the Chiefs with none of their starters right. in. I think the Chargers and their front office should take that four-game win streak as a sign that they are knocking on the door. And the hype around that organization is justified, but they should be moving on to a different situation. I don't know if you see it differently. And I think, Anthony, again, I, I mean, do you, how often do you hear a guy where everybody, anytime they say something like, hey, I probably should go, they want to throw the caveat of, great guy. But that's the nice case man. with Anthony Lynn. Nice right? man. <laughs> like, you don't, you didn't hear anybody say, listen, Bill O'Brien, A-plus human sure. being. Or Matt Patricia. Like, you don't <laughs> right. hear that, right? Like, Anthony Lynn, people go out of their way to say oh, great things fine. about it. And I think that's valuable to a locker room. I do. But 
The ability to coach football is the most important thing. Well, at least at the head coach level, Kev. At least at the head coach level. Okay, and I, I think do want to make a, a job in the front office or an assistant head coach position. Yeah, I think an assistant like coach, it, an offense coordinator, a run game specialist, right? And that's what he was in Buffalo, right? But yeah. I think to your point, uh, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, we don't see their, you know, their phone ringing even for assistant jobs. I do think Anthony Lynn, a, I agree with you, will be terminated today, and that, um, you know. He'll have NFL employment in his future. Yeah. Um, so I think he'll be okay. And that takes us to the six jobs that I do think will need to be filled. Down the road, Kev, we'll yeah. talk about kind of uh, how we maybe rank or prioritize. Uh, if you were a hot-to-trot head coach, what are the factors you'd be considering? <laughs> which job you yeah. think are the best? But you mentioned, ironically, Jacksonville and the Jets and how they both um, don't have a head coach or we think won't mm-hmm. have a head coach as of, you know, end of business today. And they have the number one and two overall pick, and they have a lot of uh, cap space. We're hearing reports here that Joe Douglas is going to make a big move, a big trade here in New York, whether that's Sam Darnold, whether that's the number two pick. You know, we'll see. And then in Jacksonville, let me let me, let me me bounce this off you, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Jacksonville is going to leave uh, part ways with Doug Marone. Um, reports are that their number one target is Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of reasons that Urban Meyer may not uh, go back into coaching, right? He's got a pretty cushy life right now. So maybe he says no to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cool. Word is that the next candidate may be Mr. Ryan Day, Kevin. Yep. And you smile because you know where this goes. Yep. Remember how when Cliff Kingsbury was interviewing for the Arizona Cardinals job, and it became pretty clear. He's like, oh, and we have the number one pick? I don't care what you guys are doing at the quarterback position. Josh Rosen, yeah, whatever. It is part of the plan, if you hire me, that we're going to draft that guy, Kyler Murray, number one overall. Mm -hmm. And Kev, Ryan Day is the current head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. And there are reports that, you know, his – amazing quarterback that got him to the national championship game, Mr. Justin Fields, Mm -hmm. that there's the opportunity that Ryan Day, if interviewing for a head coaching job, especially one that has the number one overall pick, may be like, you know what? Yeah, and if you hire me, we're taking my guy number one overall, and that would be Justin Fields. And that would mean that at number two, Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence would still be on the board. You sure would. Wow. Wow. Sure would. Kev, am I crazy? Is that possible? Do the new head coaches or GMs for these two teams have more to consider? Yeah, they do. And this is the thing. You're far from crazy. Justin Fields right now checks in at 10 to 1 to go first hmm. overall. Trevor Lawrence is minus 6,000. Here's hmm. the reality of it all, right? To me, I'm, I've always thought that a Fields-Lawrence conversation made a lot more sense than a Fields-Zach Wilson conversation. And then you get right. a head-to-head In the tears of it all, right? In the tears right. of it all. <laughs> but then you get a head-to-head performance the second go-around. One quarterback throws one touchdown, and just doesn't play a great game, if we're honest. The other, with probably broken ribs, maybe not, but certainly hampered, 
throws six touchdown passes. The reality is, whether people like it or not, I know it's only one game, but if you don't think when we weight the average that that one holds a lot more weight, right? In the same way in college football, a win for Notre Dame over Clemson holds a lot more weight than beating Pittsburgh by 45, throwing six touchdowns in the semifinal against Clemson for Justin Fields matters a lot more than a bad performance against Northwestern. And here's the thing, Dane. I think the fact that those Urban Meyer, Ryan Day rumors mm-hmm. right, came out after the Fields performance, because here's the thing. If they draft Justin Fields and their head coaches, let's just throw Brian Dabble, right? The Bills sure. offensive coordinator out there. Sure. Everybody, you, you can't do that. You can't not take Trevor Lawrence. But you know how you justify wanting to take the quarterback that you're in love with by saying, guy. Oh, well, we had to take Ryan Day's guy. It's Ryan Day's decision. We want to bring in the Ohio State love. So, yes, I think it is incredibly possible. But I guess I'll go a step further. I wow. don't think it's that crazy of a move from the Jaguars. You know, and listen, here's the thing, and we can get into it. You know, we've got plenty of time to discuss it. But I'm reminded of the year the Jets drafted Sam Darnold. He was like the number one guy, right? And then in the last 48 hours, it became Baker Mayfield, right? Things happen like this all the time. Wentz and Goff, Mariota and Winston, Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning. The jury is out sometimes on all it takes is one organization to fall in love. And if Ryan Day has been his head coach and took him to the promised land already, I wonder... We'll turn our attention to the association when we come back. We are back in the saddle right here, putting the fun and functional sports content on here. Look, you have a simple choice. Keep listening and get the winning edge or don't. And wish you had. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. We will talk about some NBA games, but we will continue the conversation because, look, it's Black Monday. Some coaches are going to be fired today. We believe, you know, the draft order is now solidified. And you got me, you know, Kev, just when, just when I had mentally accepted, okay, I, as we put up the draft order, right, because when the, when the Jets won their second game and I didn't get to talk to you against Cleveland, right, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, they're solidified in two. Honestly, Kev, I had mentally started to wrap my head around the fact that, okay, it's not Trevor Lawrence. And for all these other quarterbacks, maybe the right decision is to just draft a guy like Penny Sewell, put another bookend opposite Mekhi Becton, and and go at it again, right? With a new coach, new scheme, uh, protection, weapons, whatever, for Sam Darnold, right? And, and, And it seems like now with these reports, it's almost like you're trying to pull me back in. It's almost like you're trying to pull me back in to thinking that I can still get a different franchise quarterback. But as we have the draft order, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars one, the Jets two. You made the point before that the Miami Dolphins are now drafting three, Atlanta, Cincy, Philly, the Detroit Lions. There are some teams, even Atlanta and Detroit in there with new head coaches and kind of an opportunity if they took it. To formally turn the page on the franchise, I mean, Matt Ryan not getting any younger. Matthew Stafford, you know, could still be viable, but, you know, any new coach would know that 
It's kind of the back nine on his career. You know, you even talk about the Dolphins moving on from Tua. There are other players and other needs out there, right? There yeah. are the the Parsons of the world out there, the Jamar Chases of the world out there. And these teams are drafting at the bottom for reasons. They have needs. So tell me, you know, now that it kind of solidified, your Eagles are even there at number six. What are some of the things you think we're going to start hearing about uh, over the next three months? I think we're going to start hearing about how available all of these picks are outside mm. of that first overall pick. The Jags are not going to trade out. They will eventually come to a conclusion on Lawrence or Fields. The Jets, I think, will entertain any and everything. Even if yeah. I think that the Sam Darnold stuff is done with, I think they will entertain all of it. I think the Dolphins absolutely entertain Everything at that third overall selection. I'm sure for them, a trade back for another quarterback needy team to get in front of Atlanta at four, who, let's be honest, can do literally anything at the fourth pick, I would say. There's a world the Bengals still land Penny Sewell at five. Mm. Philly is probably a BPA type of team. You mentioned Mika Parsons. You could see a Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, uh, also Mm -hmm. maybe find their way to Philly at six. I think, as always, Dane, when we kind of go through these, right, because you and I could sit here right now and probably give people an idea of a mock draft one through 10. You know, we know these teams' needs, and we follow the college game enough to give you guys an idea, right? But what we also know, and what you and I went through last year when we did our kind of mock drafts, now, there ended up not being trades, really, right? The first trade, I think, was the Niners moving back. So sometimes we overstate this idea that there's going to be trades, 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 but that's always a big part of the season. And you, You try and identify who could be buying to move up and who very well could be selling to move back. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing I look at are which teams may swing for the quarterback, right? And and I think that is the interesting kind of caveat um, for this year because the Jets, most people think, will. You know, there's opportunity. You mentioned Miami. I think Atlanta and Detroit are interesting. I also just think it's very weird so looking when you look at it. The fact that the Bengals and Eagles tied each other and they yeah. both wind up with identical 4-11-1 records to go 5-6. and six. You had another point on this? Yeah, are Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford the two most important quarterbacks in the NFL offseason? Yeah, I think they're very interesting. I really do. I think because, like I said, both of those teams have new uh, leadership. Right? Right. Yeah. That the idea of the opportunity yes. to turn the page, I tell you all the time, Kev, I don't want to be this new guy. And as the GM, I'm thinking about my six years or 10 years or whatever it is, and know that I have to manage like the last two to three years of a falling off Matt Ryan career. Mm-hmm. I think about like, you know, it was the hardest thing for Yankee fans to see the last two years of Derek Jeter when we knew. But what were they going to do? Bench him? Right? And I think the Lions are in that spot. I think the Falcons are in that spot. I think other teams like the Broncos and the Panthers have to decide on their quarterback as well. Right? Those guys, Locke and Teddy, would be in the league. But does a team like the Panthers, who have needs on needs on needs on the defensive side of the ball, right? Do they pull the trigger? I don't know. I personally don't think they will. But that's a first piece of it, right? And then you mentioned the trades. And the other part of it also, Kev, is honestly, who 
will be making these decisions. A lot of the teams that are on this list, as we mentioned, will have new head coaches, right? The Falcons, the Lions, uh, the Jets, the Jags, all in the top 10, all with a new head coach and all with insight likely on what direction they go. You mentioned, though, we think we're going to have six openings. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, let's say by the end of the day or by the end of the week, the three that have already happened, the Jets, Jacksonville is reported to happen. And we kind of think that, unfortunately, the axe will fall on Anthony Lynn in Los Angeles there, although, you know, we think he's a nice man. Um, there's always kind of like the surprise. Right, Kev? You know, like yeah. the one surprise that we don't know, whether it's in like the quarterback market, right, which could happen, whether a Stafford, whether it's a Ryan, whether it's like a Jimmy Garoppolo surprise cut. Who knows, right? But there's mm-hmm. always also surprises in the head coaching market. And, you know, we always think like, oh, Matt Nagy's not going to get fired because he went to the playoffs. Like there are playoff teams. There are other reasons you could go fundamental differences in the organization. Health. Uh, it's just time. Uh, yeah. Are there any out there that you kind of have an eye on that would be like the surprise? So I, I and I think the reason why this is worth discussing is I think there's a couple of avenues to where you could l- find yourself saying, oh, I could see that happening. And one of them is the result, right? Like, I don't think Stefanski or McVeigh, right, win or lose, could be fired. But if I were to throw out to you, and I'll see if you disagree here, Mike Tomlin and Bruce Arians. If those two teams lose in the first round of the playoffs, could one of them be gone? I only bring Tomlin's name up because they try and fire this guy every offseason, despite the fact he's never been below 500. The Pittsburgh Steelers don't do new head coaches, and Mike Tomlin would be hired in no less than five seconds if he were fired. That's the only reason I bring up Tomlin's name, but it would be a disappointing close to them. I kind of do think Bruce Arians, I don't think he would survive a loss to Washington in the opening round. I think it's interesting, you know, I mean, and and for me, unfortunately, I disagree with you. And it goes back to something we fundamentally disagree with with the last month of the Buccaneers season. Okay, I believe that after that bye week, it gave them a chance to kind of, you know, have that kumbaya moment and maybe be on the same page. And the results have been there since then. Right. So I don't know if one loss on, you know, Saturday or Sunday would change that. Um, I personally it, it matters to me to see if they have found the chemistry or not. And we don't know that. Right. We get reports of that. We hear in Philly that the relationship with Wentz is beyond repair. But we don't know. You know, we got to take all of that with a grain of salt. There's also. There's some old coaches out there, right? There's an old one in Seattle. There's an old one in New England, right? So I think it Mm -hmm. is pretty interesting. We will keep our eye on that. As we go along this week, though, Kev, we will focus on the playoff matchups. There are six games this weekend because of the seventh team in each conference. So we're going to have a triple header on Saturday, a triple header on Sunday. We'll have six games to break down this week. We'll also look at it from the angle of which of the coaches that are playing this week do you really trust the most? And You know, you can talk more about Arians or Tomlin or anybody else, right? Nagy and others. We'll talk about the quarterbacks, the defenses, who are rounding into form as we get into wild card weekend. I do have to ask you, though, Kev, because by the time last time I spoke to you, it was like opening night of the NBA. (laughs) And since then, you know, a lot of stuff has happened. Some teams have underperformed. Some teams have overperformed. Right. I would just like to ask you literally after the first week or so of the season, 
And now because of the condensed season, we are probably like 10% of the way through it already. Can you tell me like what has been the biggest, I don't know, surprise, reaction, headline? Help catch me up, Kev. I haven't been around and I know that you've been betting props left and right. Like what has been some (laughs) of the biggest headlines as we go into 2021 from what you've seen so far in the association? You know, I think the one thing that I could point you to maybe, Dane, to kind of, if you really needed to catch up, and I know you're obvious, you know, you've been still paying attention, right, is... Because I've been fascinated by it myself, and, and and I've appreciated our conversations when we look at futures markets and we try and find values and narratives. The MVP award is mm. a disaster. And it's really? because the league, to me, is a bit of a mess, right? Luca's the favorite. The Mavericks are disappointing like you and I thought they might. Right. Then it's Giannis. We not only agree he can't win, but... The Bucks have had some weird performances. Then it's Durant, Brooklyn. except they're below 500, they're below 500 and have lost four of their last five games. Jokic is averaging a triple-double. The Sixers stopped disappointing after every time they put up a big win. So Embiid checks in near the top. LeBron isn't sitting back-to-backs like I was saying, so he's maybe alive in the award. Steph Curry's legacy was on the line and then dropped 62 points last night. And Harden did miss a game, but he's been sensational for the Houston Rockets. And there's been a lot less chatter around him finding a new Hmm. home as the Rockets are off to an interesting start to the year. So talk about interesting starts. One of the teams that was much talked about in the offseason, they have a new head coach. They have a potentially dynamic duo in Embiid and Simmons is the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, they have been playing well. They're nine and a half point favorites at home tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. 219 is the total. From what I remember, Kev, the Sixers are great at home. Right. So they're at home. They got, you know, the kid ball coming in. This is one of these teams that you thought had a little bit cooking with some of their young talent. How has that been going? Do you like the Sixers laying nine and a half at home tonight? So Philly, this is why I, I mentioned Philly beat the Raptors at home. And what we learned about the Raptors is their next game was in Orlando. Dane, 10 times out of 10, they lose that game outright every single time. Right. They won convincingly. And then they hosted the Hornets on Saturday and won convincingly. This is not what they did last year. They are is five and one. Is this Doc? I don't I don't know. I'll say this. Tobias Harris right now has been consistent. And Bede, by the way, is five and oh on the year. Their only loss in Bede was absent against the Cavs, which is part of the reason that he's climbing up that MVP board. I think that laying nine and a half, because this is the one thing, Dane, that with the NBA that's tricky. And again, if you genuinely have been out of the fold, maybe it hasn't popped up across your, you know, plate as much. Is these teams playing, you know, back to backs or two games in three days? Same hmm. team, same building. So right. the Sixers just played the Hornets Saturday. Laying this right. level of a number, they won the That's game by the 15 COVID points. Scheduling that has to happen, right? Yes, the regionalism, one hundred percent. But it's but obviously we never do that. Sometimes teams would do home and homes. Philly would go into right. Charlotte, but they never right. would play the same game, same building. The thing is, 
That first matchup, 239 points flew to the over. Just play the over again. I don't want to get involved with that spread. Nine and a half is a lot of points. Fair enough, but listen, I did catch my eye. The Philadelphia 76ers did catch my eye because they're a team we know. The talent is there if they can kind of put it all together. And at least early on in the season, it looks like they might. Hey, Kev, we tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode of the early line for the first. Remember that state championship game you played in high school? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports talk stations were cars. We'd be the one that you drove the wheels off of in high school, cruising for chicks and going to the game on Friday nights, then forgetting where you parked it till Saturday morning and you had to get your buddy to drive you around looking for it. I think I see it, man. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Everybody right here on to the early line, Dane and Kevin, as we wrap up this first episode of the new year of the early line. Kevin, I need you to catch me up on one more thing uh, in the Eastern mm. Conference, right? How are my Knicks doing? I've seen flashes of goodness, but still pretty much the same yeah. thing. And tonight they're playing against the Hawks team that I remember telling you I was intrigued by as a lot of young talent and maybe some veteran pieces. And it looks like the uh, the Hawks are out to a good start. Talk to me about these teams. Listen, both teams have to be pretty pleased. Look, the Knicks are 3-3. Three and three. They have a couple really solid wins on the table. The one against Milwaukee caught everybody by surprise. Right. Beating Indiana, uh, that second goal. I mean, they've won three of their last four. I had them people plus nine and a half. I love that. Look, people are excited about the people are excited about the Knicks, and they should be. Okay, but one thing that people have been looking for is a competitive team that they can just, you know, you you can get behind. And Julius Randle's playing well, and RJ Barrett has his nights. If we can just pretend that game against Philly never happened, gosh, Ben Simmons had him in prison, didn't he? But listen, (laughs) they've been playing good basketball, and Thibodeau right now, if they were to post Coach of the Year awards. The Knicks just have to sniff 500, and I think Thibodeau would have a pretty solid shot. As far as the Hawks go, so obviously they just lost to the Cavs, and and that'll kind of take a little lust off things. They're having a great start to the year. They're having the kind of start to the year that shifts the conversation from, you think this team gets into, oh, that's one of my eight. That's one of my eight. And the the back-to-back in Brooklyn is really what did it, or the two and three days in Brooklyn. Losing... 145 to 141, but to be as competitive as they were in that game throughout, matching KD and Kyrie shot for shot, and then coming out the next night and kind of running them off the court. Again, it speaks to some of the struggles that Brooklyn is having, but it gives Atlanta a ton of credit. If you wanted to pick for me in this game, I'd play the Hawks team total over, coming off their worst offensive performance of the season, looking to them to regroup. But that is a credit to the Knicks that I am not looking to lay points against this team. They they are playing good basketball. No. It is good to talk to you for the first time this year, Kev. Good to speak to everybody for our producers, Venmo O'Brien, our graphics guy, Steve. Happy New Year to everybody, and thanks for getting up on the grid. Jared and Ariel are up next the morning after. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Another edition of the Early Line.